Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. Q&A for BJJ. You got the questions, we got the answers. Fire them up. Here we go. If you want to leave us a voicemail, go to our webpage, bulletproofforbjj.com, hit podcast, scroll down a little bit, record a voicemail. We will feature your question, just like these ones here on the show, in our next Q&A. First question is from Reese Woods. Hey, JT and Joey. My name's Reese. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I love your program. Been using it for a few years now. I just wanted to get your opinion on the sandbag program. I've been wanting to dive into it myself. But is there a danger in overtraining the similar muscle groups that you're using during no-gi jiu-jitsu in using the sandbag program as opposed to using your weight sessions to work on other modalities and other areas of your physicality to offset those imbalances that you're creating during jiu-jitsu. Yeah, can't wait for your response. Love your work. Keep it up. Thanks. Awesome. Great question. Thank you, Reese. You you say it as if the sandbag program is a real thing, and I'm telling you, it is. <laughs> it's just not up yet. Great. <laughs> You heard what Reese said. We must build it. We have to. <laughs> Reese is waiting for it. Build it and the people will get strong. Um, yeah, I think that's actually a super valid... It's a very intelligent question. It is an intelligent question. And uh, Joe had brought up something similar to me about uh, bouldering. That like trying to do bouldering on the day off from jiu-jitsu and everything else just makes you tighter in your forearms and your back and your lats. and You know, when, you, when actually a lot of what we do promote is to counterbalance it. This is what I would say. The way in which the sandbag that I've sandbag program I've drafted out is it's a fairly short session. It's fairly simple. And I mean, it's reasonably intense, but it's not high volume. So in that way, you're not going to get crazy doms in your elbows or your, your fingers in the way you might get from a, a gi jiu-jitsu session or judo or whatever. So I believe that it's, it's only two days a week. The structure I have in mind and... Just doing that, you will get stronger and you will not overtrain. But it is a good thing to consider, and it sounds like you've given some thought, that doing too much of the same thing can lead to problems. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, Reece, you know, he asked, like, is there a danger in it? And there absolutely is, which is why all of our programs are very low volume, aren't mm. they? Because they are taking into account that you're on the mats kind of under load, doing heavy work. So when we're in the gym, yeah, we do want to reinforce some of those patterns and get stronger at them, but we don't want to train them to the point where we're just cooking the lower back. That's right. And it's also a really good observation that you can be training to get stronger in the same movement patterns, but you can also be doing things to balance out. Yes. And I would say that for us, the consideration is always a healthy dose of both. Yes. Very good. Great question. Next one from Anonymous. How you going, boys? Um, 40 years old, just started BJJ um, probably three, four months ago. Absolutely loving it. Uh, I'm a carpenter by trade, and I'm always concerned about getting injured. I'm the sole provider for my family, and, yeah, constantly worried about getting injured and not being able to work. 
any thoughts, um, any things I can do to sort of mitigate getting injured? I know it's something that comes with the territory, but uh, yeah, any advice would help. Great. Cheers. It's such a hard one, isn't it? Because yeah. the best advice is choose a different sport. <laughs> like in reality, <laughs> quit now. It's like, yeah, you know, because... No, look... But of course that's not an option, right? That's why we're no, here. No, no. I always have this in the back of my mind because, because our job requires us to be able to squat and snatch, do all these things. Like we have to be able to demonstrate exercises very well. That's our freaking job. And train jiu-jitsu and coach people. And yeah, and yeah. Then that's all part of it. And, and I often think this when I'm rolling Joe, like, okay, I don't want to injure him because then I'm going to have to do all the videos. God damn it. I know he doesn't think the same thing. <laughs> but this is what I want to say for you because you've got this worry in your mind. When I'm trying to roll, still a, have a good roll but not get hurt, I will give up sweeps and um, positions easier. I feel often when you're really fighting someone like head on head, that's when most injuries can occur. And I'm also going to say takedowns, <laughs> just pull guard. Like wrestling and throwing is absolutely where a lot of injuries occur. And that's why judokas and, and wrestlers are considered so hardcore. They get the most brutal injuries ever. And it's not the takedowner, it's the takedown. It's the person who gets taken down, usually posts or it the injury occurs to so if you're going to minimize your risk of injury it sounds silly because i'm i'm personally against this don't wrestle don't do judo start on the knees or start from the ground that's why a lot of gyms do it minimize injury and then also don't be afraid to give up a sweep or give up position because that exchange those scuffles and tumbles is often where bad stuff can happen yeah i'd agree i think um you know what i'm about to say you've got to keep in mind that um, you're a white belt and you're new to the game and you may not be able to embody this advice yet but this could be something you, you, you try to move towards over time and it is just to train with more of a deliberate kind of uh, approach so instead of going in like let's roll and like just try and like win and do the thing and see what happens to go in and go hey tonight I'm just going to work on the butterfly guard stuff that coach was teaching me tonight I'm just going to pull guard get to that and that's that's the whole thing I want to work on because as soon as you make it more deliberate you stop yourself from being dragged into these like chaotic sort of exchanges yeah, it's a bit more controlled yeah and 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 again the reason I say that you know you might not be able to do that yet is because it does require a certain level of uh, understanding of the game and also um, understanding of the different techniques and whatnot so if you can't do it tonight don't feel bad <laughs> But, but yeah, like setting an intention, being deliberate and, and like we've said in other episodes of the podcast and stuff, don't roll. Like you're 40 years old, you're new to the game. You don't have to prove anything. Don't roll with the 20-year-old blue belt. No. You know, because you know you, that you might be a bit stronger than them and then they're like, well, I'm going to put my athleticism on you. Yeah. And then you get dragged into the fire. Like pick your partners wisely. Yeah, you need trusted training partners to help you stay uninjured for sure. Yeah. Jordan, we haven't vetoed these questions, by the way, so they could be... Could be some controversial yeah. stuff in here. Come on, dick pills, get these dick pills. <laughs> oh, oh, get the dick pills. Spam. <laughs> hey, legends, love the show. Do you think it's worth trying to train jujitsu with a fully ruptured ACL and a torn meniscus? Thanks. Absolutely, bro. Why not? <laughs> God gave you two ACLs, did he not? Uh, well, okay. Well, I, I was, there's, there's plenty of people out there who don't have ACLs who do jujitsu very well. This is what I'd say. If you lack um, the structures that hold your knee together, you need to reinforce the other structures. So 
are your knees strong? <laughs> are they stable? If, if you have really strong, tight knees, so to speak, that means you're less likely to endure other problems. But not having an ACL means the joint is less stable. And also, if you've got a torn meniscus, depending on how badly, that can mean you've got pain there. This is what I'd say, and this speaks to every other kind of injury. If you roll with injury, this, this is the major concern for me, if I was your coach. You're going to do something to avoid putting weight on that leg, or you're going to modify your game so that you can keep rolling, which will result in a different injury. And by compensating, you've actually doubled yourself. So, and I've seen that before where someone hurt their wrist or their, their elbow. So they're like, oh, I'll just put my hand in my belt. Got swept, fell on their neck and herniated two discs in their neck. It's the compensation. It's not, I, I would say, simple answer, no, don't do that. Get your rehab, maybe get your surgery. If you can't get your surgery, you should be working on making the joint more stable. But the problem is you will develop compensatory movement patterns and this can result in other issues yeah uh, look i had this exact scenario when i ruptured my acl i also damaged the meniscus and i had pre-existing meniscus damage from many years prior when i had the scans done and the full picture of the knee condition was was available the my physiotherapist and the surgeon that i spoke to both agreed they said look your knee's really stable when we when we test it like athletically and do on the physical test feels great if, if we didn't have the imagery, we'd probably say that you'd be fine to just continue without an ACL. But we know that in the absence of an ACL, there's a certain aspect of your meniscus that will have to work harder now. Mm. And that is where you have your pre-existing meniscus damage. So they said more than likely what's going to happen is that area which is already damaged is just going to continue to degrade over the years. And then you're going to be back in the surgeon's office in a couple of years' time with a really knee. So I took that advice and I went and got the, the, the surgery done and whatnot. So for me, that was a decision based on that information. That I was like, it's worthwhile doing. However, my knee did feel great prior to the surgery. And there is a case that, yes, yeah, some people get by just fine without an ACL. So while there is a risk, it's an option, yes. right? And you don't have to deal with the trauma of surgery and all those things. What I would suggest you check out, and it depends on how long ago you ruptured it, is check out the work of Tom Cross, who is an Australian... Uh, I think he's a physiotherapist who has come up with a, a non-surgical approach to ACL reattachment. Wow. And it's called a bracing protocol and they, they brace your knee at 90 degrees and, and not 100% of the time, but I believe the vast majority of the couple hundred people who have been through his protocol have actually had their ACLs grow back together. Whoa. Yeah, and they don't always grow back perfectly. Sometimes it's like a partial reattachment. Sometimes they just grow off into different ends and like reattach back to the knee like but you it's three months you go and see him it like costs you a couple hundred bucks and it's like maybe you got an acl at the end of the 12 weeks well that's that's a good bet yeah so i would definitely do that. and if it doesn't work then you can still get the surgery yeah that would be my hot take nice good question legend yeah good question all the best with it hey i guess you got to say like to kind of yeah wrapping it up but um there's certain people whereby uh, like Cyborg, I, I, I'm aware that Cyborg had a, a no ACL for a period, right? But if, if you're an elite athlete and now is your time, then yeah, you probably don't want to give up two years for the surgery and all that shit. Yeah. So if you're at that stage and like you're in the fire right now, then there's a case for just staying in the fire. However, chances are you're not. Chances are you're a regular human and you want to be able to do this thing for a long time and have good health for a long time. So, you know, be, be mindful of your context. 
Yes, sir. Um, there it is, guys. If you want to leave us a voicemail, bulletproof of bjj.com podcast, record the voicemail. We'll feature you on the next Q&A. Thank you very much. Yes, indeed.